0: From the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast, this is Ag Day.
1: Learning all about where your bacon comes from.
2: There's a good opportunity to share with people that don't really
3: have any knowledge about the swine industry.
1: An inside look at an innovative facility that's breaking down walls when it comes to pork production. The deadline draws near for an end to Farm Bill funding. We'll look at the impact that could have on some key ag programs, as we take you to the ultimate show for farm tech.
0: There's a mini evolution that's taking
1: place. We're on the road at Agrotechnica in Germany, right now on Ag Day. Good morning, I'm Michelle Rowe, coming to you from our studios in Kansas City. The world's largest ag machinery show is underway right now in Hanover, Germany. We're talking about Agrotechnica 2023, and that's where we find Ag Day's Clinton Griffiths, among the estimated 440,000 participants. So Clinton, what do you think of the show?
0: Yeah, that's right, Michelle. This is just a fantastic event with 400 to 500,000 people on hand for this week. Of course, they're going through somewhere in the neighborhood of 2,800 different exhibits uh, from companies that represent more than 50 different countries. So. This right here is just one building. There are dozens of buildings on this near 100 acre campus. Now, one of the things that is a big topic of conversation this year is the health of the industry as we get ready for 2024. From hall to hall, aisle by aisle, new iron is ready to work. A look at the latest combines.
3: This is a completely new combine that takes us up to the next level of harvesting.
0: To residue managers. The rotor itself, has an angel of six, six degrees to the ground. Even new high-speed planters.
3: It's pulled off the disc and shot into the furrows.
0: The industry is ready for 2024. It obviously, many of our equipment manufacturers, maybe based in the United States, are, are multinational companies that are selling around the world. But also, those global dynamics of each one of those countries affects our ability to sell grain uh, around the world. And obviously, that has a tremendous impact on the equipment that we sell here in the United States. A global marketplace that in the last couple of years has felt its supply chain slip amid pandemic-induced pressures. We learned something during the pandemic, and that was that our, fl- our supply chain is wildly efficient and pretty fragile. Which is changing the way many of the businesses here at Agrotechnica manage their inventory. There's a many mini- evolution that's taking place And the evolution is, well, we need to keep, from a manufacturing perspective, we need to keep a little inventory here, especially on the critical components that we may have. And and so it's sitting there just in case there's a supplier issue that takes place. We've got this inventory. We've built our warehouses. We've built our manufacturing. We've built all of our transportation system to support that system that is still very efficient and still very valid but having a few more parts on the shelves does have implications and some ripple effects throughout the entire industry. Part of that is the added cost of keeping inventory on hand, but balanced against shutting the line down completely. It's an expense worth the investment. Today's supply chains aren't perfect, but they are much improved.
3: The supply chain is truing up. We had to change our business a little bit too, and uh, make sure we have the inventory Uh, parts and components so we can run our factories, Uh, but for most part, we are pretty much back to normal. While the uncertainty of grain
0: prices and the pressure of high interest rates has ag machinery keeping a close eye. We take some surveying of manufacturers and the perception is that, you know, maybe the next uh, six months, next six to twelve months, we may see the curve come down a little bit in terms of short term, in terms of some of the equipment that's going to be sold. Longer term. The outlook remains positive. New innovations driving efficiency and production across the globe. Of course, we've seen tons of innovative products while we've been here. And of course, innovation goes hand in hand with efficiency. We'll talk about that tomorrow on Ag Day. Michelle.
1: Thanks so much, Clinton. Happening right now, time is running out for Congress to avoid a government shutdown this weekend. Republican House Speaker Mike Johnson has come up with a two-step continuing resolution funding plan. Now under that plan, the House would extend funding for many programs through January 19th. Funding for all other federal operations, including defense, would then expire on February 2nd. The measure includes a 2018 Farm Bill extension through September 2024 and funding for 21 orphan programs. But a handful of Johnson's fellow Republicans at last report were poised to block it. However, he believes he has bipartisan support from top congressional leaders.
2: What we need to do is avoid the government shutdown. Why? Because that would unduly harm the American people. Troops wouldn't be paid. We know all the effects of that. And so we have to avoid that and we have a responsibility to do it.
1: The bill excludes funding requested by President Biden for Israel, Ukraine, and the U.S. border with Mexico. With the expiration of the Farm Bill looming, several USDA export programs are in jeopardy of losing funding. Last month, the agency announced $1.3 billion for the new Regional Agriculture Promotion, or RAP program. However, USDA Undersecretary Alexis Taylor spoke at the U.S. Meat Export Federation annual meeting about their concerns surrounding the status of this and existing USDA export programs without an extension of the Farm Bill. With the expiration of the Farm Bill and the uncertainty
4: around those market development programs uh, known as the Market Access Program, MAP, or the Foreign Market Development Program, FMD, um, wanting to make sure we continue to have
1: Confidence in the resources for our sector to be able to be in these markets in a competitive way and taylor says their research shows These programs are a great investment of federal or taxpayer dollars for every one dollar we invest We see a twenty four dollar
4: return on increased food and ag exports These dollars are highly leveraged with industry dollars uh, with an over one dollar to one dollar match And so we see a lot of Uh, uh, a lot of benefit uh, for these dollars. We also see the industry investing their own dollars to maximize
1: that footprint. She says they're using those dollars to diversify markets and expand market access for U.S. ag products as the U.S. is currently facing export headwinds such as the strong U.S. dollar. Taylor just returned from trade missions to Chile as well as Southeast Asia, including Malaysia and Singapore. And something that could impact exports, a bridge fire in California, which could slow transit from the ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach. The fire erupted Saturday in two storage lots under Interstate 10. Investigators say it was caused by arson. The reported damage to the freeway could take three to five weeks to repair. Now, despite the challenges, the ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach are still operational and goods are continuing to move. However, experts say the removal of a section of the interstate, which typically handles 300,000 vehicles a day, is expected to have spillover effects. Harvest over the past week has been slow but steady. The latest crop progress report from USDA shows 88% of the corn crop has been harvested along with 95% of the soybeans. Now that's slightly behind where harvest was this time last year but still ahead of the five-year average. For soybeans, 13 states have now harvested more than 90% with Louisiana and South Dakota reporting soybean harvest is completely done. North Carolina is the first state to report it has completed corn harvest, and in nine other states, it's over the 90% mark. And it looks like another day for much of the country where farmers can continue to work on bringing in the harvest, plus possible beneficial rains for some areas in the south. Meteorologist Matt Engelbrecht has more.
4: Yeah, we're keeping that quiet pattern around uh, portions United States to finish up uh, as you said that harvesting. Uh, But back down into the Gulf Coast states, there's that next system that rain system that we've been talking about the last couple of days. It's going to continue to move off to the east very slowly. So this is going to be a decent soaker into parts of Georgia and Florida and eventually lift out here to the northeast as our next system starts to take shape. So quiet through our Thursday morning and Thursday afternoon for a good portion of the United States. Uh, We pick up a cold front Friday morning and Friday afternoon, leading to some showers in and across the Midwest. Friday at 9 a.m. Not a lot of moisture behind this system, so once it clears back into some sunshine, also a ridge of high pressure will start to build in. That's why these white lines start to scoot up here to the north Saturday and Sunday of this weekend. Now the system taking shape, and this should time out to be uh, in and around Thanksgiving, possibly bringing in uh, some showers or even some snow. Speaking of which, check out Anchorage, Alaska. How about these wintry scenes? Uh, The area was uh, digging out from an early season snowfall when it got hit again. The Anchorage School District forced to close schools on Monday and Tuesday. And you can see why. That's Alaska. It's estimated more than two and a half feet of snow fell in some places. Anchorage is already close to surpassing its all-time snow record for November. I'll have more on your forecast coming up.
1: Grains traded two-sided with only slight follow-through in corn and soybeans after a big update on Monday, but cattle did rally with the better-than-expected October CPI data I'll have analysis coming up. And later, we'll tour a facility that allows people to get an up close look at pork production in the country.
0: Ag Day, presented by Pioneer. What's next happens when the name on the cap matches the power of one's purpose. Pioneer, what's next happens here.
1: Row crops and cattle ended higher on Tuesday. Jeff hogan with Professional Ag Marketing joining us. And after some two-sided trade, row crops did end at the plus side, Jeff. in the soybean market, you know, got pushed by products. But, you know, can we take out 14, I guess, is the big question.
2: Yeah, I think it's in the cards. You know, we obviously have some stuff going on from the South American weather standpoint. You know, the midday forecast did get a little warmer here again today. Um, You know, and, and time matters here in my mind you know early as we are in that growing season the longer we kind of stretch this thing out i think the more the soybeans can kind of auger themselves higher plus you got to respect the u.s um, supply and demand balance sheet you know that remains pretty tight here um, and don't see that storyline changing
1: yeah so corn kind of following soybeans here though and you know we had the big reversal but not a lot of follow-through was that a little disappointing on tuesday you think
2: Yeah, I think so. You know, corn's got a a balance sheet problem of its own, though. You know, the soybeans are pretty optimistic. Corn, they bumped the yield there last week, Thursday, on the WASDE report, the monthly report. And in my mind, the market never really reacted to that. And I think the reasons are um, what's happening in Brazil and and, uh, the soybean market. But I think once in a while, you know, we're just going to see a little extra sell pressure on the corn, I believe, just because, man, what an unusual change to start. Uh, increasing that yield um, this late in the season, and in that market, I, I think has a little bit of weight on its shoulders from that. Michelle,
1: cattle market. Let's talk about that one. Of course, we did see a sharply higher day. How much of that was tied to the CPI data coming in better than expected, and then the rally that we got as a result of that in the stock market?
2: I think like a hundred percent of it. You know, nothing's a hundred percent in this business, as you well know. But um, it really opened my eyes a bit today again. Is that cattle market is really dependent on the economic situation. So maybe it's a combination of the outside markets reacting very positive, but also the cattle market being very concerned about the economic situation. I think the cattle was, were, was all about CPI report being a little bit softer here than expected. And, uh, you know, I'm a little disappointed in its close. Unfortunately, it's, uh, it didn't close on its highs like much of the outside markets
1: did. Thanks so much, Jeff. Jeff Hogan-Doran with Professional Ag Marketing, and we'll have more Ag Day coming
0: up. Ag Day is brought to you by the Advanced Acre Rx program from Winfield United. To hear directly from farmers how Advanced Acre Rx helps you get the most out of your season, visit winfieldunited.com AARX.
4: We're starting to see again the pattern set up across the United States. We'll start off with more of a wet pattern between the 19th and the 23rd. A ridge of high pressure starting to build or at least starting to form off on the West Coast. So after the 23rd, uh, expect uh, some of that uh, drier weather to move in across the United States. But finally, getting some rain back in the Gulf Coast states where. We've been moisture-starved. That uh, Gulf Coast system we looked at a little bit a little bit ago uh, will certainly help that situation. Now the temperature outlook is going to reflect a strong low-pressure system moving across the United States next week, 19th through the 23rd. So we got a bit of a cool down. Now we go kind of in this light blue category, not way over here uh, towards the left, but kind of in this uh, below-normal temp light blue. A situation in and across the United States broad area uh, covered in that light blue indicating uh, that we're going to see a system working across the United States. It's not going to sit that cold air isn't going to sit for an extended period of time. In fact, right on the heels, you got uh, warmer or above normal temperatures on the West Coast. Uh, dry and warm typically means we're going to see some ridging on the West Coast uh, towards the end of that period. So the jet stream Wednesday and Thursday. You got to get high pressure uh, dominating the forecast with a weak clipper system uh, coming through the United States. Not as deep as what we're looking at the last couple of days, but it's still going to supply uh, not only some cooler air, pockets cooler air, but also some rain in and across the Midwest. That's gonna take up uh, maybe half a day at most with some of the rain moving through. Uh, Breezy conditions in behind it as we match that trough up with a ridge of high pressure right on its heels. Here's the jet stream coming up on Sunday and another low pressure system starting to take shape on the West Coast. That's gonna move through and bring in some cool, if not colder air just in time for Thanksgiving. Clinton, mostly cloudy, high around 59 degrees, low of 35. Winchester, Tennessee, cloudy, high around 60, low of 51. Berlin, cloudy, New Hampshire, high of 47, low of 32 degrees. Egg Day is brought to you by Lamar's Toy Store, the largest
0: and most diversified farm toy store in the U.S. They have new and old, and do restorations and customizations too. You need to see it to believe it. Visit Lamarstoystore.com or call us at 712-546.
1: Some good news in the fight against African swine fever. Researchers now say there are only six unique strains of the virus. Researchers at USDA's Agriculture Research Service making that announcement. They say they have reclassified the number of virus strains from 25 down to only six. This scientific innovation will hopefully make it easier for them to develop vaccines that match the different strains. Although the virus has caused economic losses to the global swine industry, there's not been any outbreaks here in the U.S. to date. Mexico right now continues to be a big buyer of U.S. pork. The U.S. Meat Export Federation reporting pork exports in September totaled more than 221,000 metric tons. That's down less than 1% from a year ago. Export value also fell 4%, but September export value to Mexico increased 18% year over year to $207 million. That's the third highest month on record. For the first three quarters of the year, pork exports have increased 9% from last year, led by record large shipments to Mexico. Coming up, lifting the cover on pork production. How an innovative facility aims to demystify the industry for everyone, In the country. We've seen plenty of headlines this year about large pork and poultry integrators exiting the business. However, in South Dakota, they're seeing just the opposite. It's due to the leadership of the state's land grant university. South Dakota and neighboring states have seen steady growth in pork production in the last decade due to a business-friendly climate.
3: We have excess grain, excess soybean meal, we got land, we need to have jobs, right? And so if you look at the swine industry, that was a great place for it. But he says that doesn't mean the public doesn't have concerns and questions. What does the manure do to the water? What is, how bad is the odor going to be? What's going to be truck traffic? Is it, are you humanely treating those animals?
1: So in 2016, SDSU built a new swine facility. And one of the goals was to demystify pork production through transparency.
3: Due to biosecurity reasons, we don't want to have people come into our barns uh, for the risk of bringing disease in. And so what we've done, we've designed the barn so we can bring people in from the outside without them having to shower in. We open the doors, they
1: can see everything that we have. During COVID, they also started doing virtual tours. Through the tours, the public can see firsthand modern pork production practices.
2: There's a lot of uh, different thoughts out there of why this is bad, but we are showing them why it's good and the safety and all of those different aspects that it's safe for us as well as the pigs as well.
1: She says the hope is both the in-person and the virtual tours will reinforce that pork producers are responsible and care about animal welfare.
2: The main takeaway is just that we are doing it uh, most humane as possible. Uh, that's a lot of people's concerns, but we are doing it to improve their lives, to improve our lives. It's, we are doing this as best as we can.
0: The animal industry is our biggest consumer of soybean meal, and we really need them more than ever now because oil is in demand. So, and and here in South Dakota, you know, we're a really animal agriculture, agriculture in general, very friendly state. And so it's key that we can increase livestock production here in our state pretty easily
1: and utilize that soybean meal that's right here. And Tyler says through the promotion of livestock growth, it also provides an avenue for the next generation to get into farming.
3: The best opportunity for young people to return back to the farm or ranch, that family farm, has been through pork production. Whether it's a contract nursery, contract finishing barn or whatever, that gives them the opportunity to do that.
1: That's all the time we have for this morning. Thanks for watching. For all of us at Ag Day, I'm Michelle Ruck. Have yourself a great day.